so many leaders say one thing, but do another. And this is especially common when it comes to company culture. But for our staff, our employees, it is more important that we eat our own cooking and have the cultures that we espouse. It's probably more important than the work we do. Well, Julia Wong, the CEO and founder of Intertread, does just this. Intertread is a multicultural creative agency that understands the intersection of cultures, emerging trends, and the interaction between brands and consumers. She has a team of over 70 diverse professionals that are dynamic, flexible, adaptable, exactly like the work they provide to their clients. Total alignment between the two. Julia Wong, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Thank you for having me. Well, great. So tell us a little bit more about Intertrend. Give us a little bit more of the background. Well, Intertrend is an Asian American advertising agency. We have been around for, <laughs> I don't like to say that very often, but we have been around for 35 years and we have been uh, a leading voice in Asian culture, both um, in servicing our client as a creative, their creative agency. And then we also have numerous entrepreneur ventures on the side, and we promote culture and artistic events and initiatives as a recognized voice in the communication industry and committed contributor to numerous nonprofit association. So that's basically who we are. That's great. So tell us a little bit more about your team. We have a very diverse team, mostly Asian Americans from, and as you know, uh, Asian American market is not, but not just this one segment. We have Korean Americans, Chinese Americans, Taiwanese Americans, um, Asian Indian Americans. But basically, we are a creative agency that services Fortune 50 companies in automotive, financial institutions, uh, sportswear, in terms of their needs for targeting the Asian American market. Okay, that's excellent. So you kind of have that great alignment again between the, the staff on your team and then who you're serving and how you're showing up together. Yes, we, so, we try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how would you describe your culture internally? That's a very interesting question, or it should be a hard question to, to answer. We've been asked quite a bit in terms of what is the culture of our agency. And I would say that the culture of our agency is basically the basis is that we are an Asian American advertising agency. So we build our culture around that specific identity in terms of how we approach communication, collaboration accountability, community outreach, and even innovation. So based on that, I would say that the culture of our agency is elevating each other in terms of making sure that we're supporting our internal staff, as well as, of course, our clients and our community in general. Okay. Yeah. So what kinds of people do you, do you look for then? I mean, what, what are some of your criteria when you're in the process of hiring? We look for people who are passionate about the work they do with great work ethics and uh, people who are able to find cause in the work that they do. And it's not just about making a living, that they're able to embrace 
the kind of opportunities that we offer them in terms of addressing that passion. So those are the kind of people that we look for. Okay. Excellent. And then, and that, how does that align then more specifically with the types of expectations your clients have? Well, most of our clients come to us to target the Asian American market. So we do have to understand the insight of Asian American community, as well as uh, the target market that our uh, clients want to talk to. So based on that, In addition to what you just, the answer that I gave you to the question that you just gave, we also need people who are curious as well, because insight, cultural insight is really an evolving thing. So it's not necessarily just a a manual or just this one answer manual in terms of looking for cultural insight. So when a particular client wants to target Asian American market, we need to make sure that our own people are understanding the insight and understanding how the insights are changing over time as well. So the insights that we had of Asian American market 10 years ago or 20 years ago is definitely not the same as we have today. So how would you kind of describe then your, or how how would, what would you say around, like, what do you think it takes for your employees to truly be happy working for you? That's actually, (laughs) I know that you, you kind of prepped me of that question prior to our chat today. And as you as we all know that there are numerous playbooks and manuals available that tackle employee happiness, you know, highlighting essential aspects such as, um, have doing meaningful work, um, give, given opportunities for growth, um, be empowered, and of course, receiving recognition and appreciation. And let's not forget that crucial to, to the basic foundation of happiness for any employee is the competitive salaries and benefit packages. You know, you, you do have to get paid on a fair market uh, value. But we found that the most important thing uh, for, for an employee, at least what we can do as an employer, is to continuously remind ourselves the importance of staying in tune with the needs and preferences of our employees that are ever-changing, as I mentioned. I feel that my goal as the founder and the CEO of the company is to establish a supportive, inclusive and engaging working for involved you know environment engaging working environment and we have to remind ourselves that it's it's not an end game it's an it, this isn't a one time task rather it's an ongoing process that enable us to accumulate improvements and learn from mistakes and ultimately excel in our roles as uh, employer mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, there was a study that came out just a couple months ago from McKinsey that did a, a survey on about sixty five hundred people around the world on why they quit their job between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, and the number one reason that people quit was a lack of career development, which is amazing to me because yes, that yes. hasn't been a trend in the past. The second reason, though, which was a complete surprise, was pay and benefits, total compensation. 
that before in the past had been number six, number eight, number 12 over the years. But now it is time as compensations become very important. And then the third reason was a lack of caring and inspiring leaders. <laughs> so again, this whole idea that culture or that, you know, a job is about a paycheck. It's not just that. It's got to be more than that, as you mentioned. So what do you do for your teams in terms of uh, career development and helping people kind of continue to grow in their careers? What are some of your programs? What you just said about the McKinsey research, you know, the, the results of the research is also very telling as well in terms of what is pre-COVID and post-COVID in terms of establishing culture, you know, there is a pre-COVID way and post-COVID way. And, and the challenge is that post-COVID way, there is no playbook because we never experienced COVID before. So as an employer, we're constantly searching for what is the right way. You know, we're just really fine-tuning ourselves in terms of what exactly is it that we can, we, what, what exactly as an employer we can do to achieve employee satisfaction? And that is really the number one challenge, as you mentioned, like the three reasons that you mentioned about the McKinsey's em- employees leaving, you know, the, the quiet quitting is real. And what exactly are they? And it's even more challenging because work from home is real. The hybrid workplace is real. So in-person interaction, engagement is not as robust as it used to be pre-COVID. So it's not easy. It's not easy to maintain a, a company culture. But to foster a supportive atmosphere, I do think whether or not it's a hybrid working environment or work from home environment, at least for us, we push for open communications. We need to enable employees to comfortably share ideas, concerns, fear, and then get feedback and make sure that the environment that we create allows them to feel safe about having that open communication. And another important factor is that even more so than before, pre-COVID, is that we have to set clear goals by clear communication for each team members and to make sure that they understand that their goals have to kind of align to our organization's overarching objectives. And by doing so, we ensure that everyone understands the significance of their work is that it is part of a broader context. And most importantly, what you mentioned is that career growth. So we consistently create opportunities for professional growth through customized training programs, workshops, and most importantly, mentorship. So our managers are encouraged, of course, to delegate tasks and decision-making responsibilities so that our employees feel empowered and to take ownership of their work. And This is something that we sometimes forget because of hectic schedules. We have to make a point to acknowledge and reward hard work and achievements, not just privately, but also publicly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not everybody likes the same form of recognition as we know, too. Yeah. Yes. That's so true. Yes. So what I hear is a big theme with you, it sounds like, is 
being really flexible and not just flexible with like the working hours and where the work is done, but also being flexible around how the work gets communicated back, how individual goals are set. Like, I think this is one of the big things that's really shifted with leadership over the last, I would say 10 years. And then COVID really accelerated it is that leading is no longer about you and I just saying, this is where we're going. Follow me. It's so much more about being like, well, here's where we want to go. And I'm not exactly sure how to get there. I don't have the playbook, but I'm going to create these conditions for us to have communication, conversation, um, figure it out. And as a group, we're going to figure it out instead of you just kind of saying like, this is the way that it is, which is a different leadership style. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, because the external environment changes as well what we post COVID, like we're kind of slowly getting ourselves back to the so-called norm, which is not going to be the same norm as before. And what with the new AI situation, what does that entail? I, I mean, I think that there's a lot of discussions in terms of, is AI going to take over employees' work? What is that fear? And even if we, we are, as an employer, trying to incorporate AI, into our workplace, how do we effectively and productively use that so that it's not one way or the other? There's always, I I do think that there's always a good situation that we can glean from the best of different worlds in terms of incorporating best practices. And, And flexibility is key. Pivoting is key, mm-hmm. is that we just really, like we mentioned, there is no playbook and we're learning as we go along. And then we have to admit mistakes quickly as possible and not really just be labor on it, but just really move forward in terms of how do we learn from those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of leaders have had a belief, and I would say that even my industry has has driven this belief deeply, which is that a policy applies to all, right? HR is notorious for that. And which is why I do we do everything different with what I do because I don't believe that. And I, I didn't actually do HR before this. I was a software engineer before this. And so I have the luxury of being able to say, well, why do we have to do it that way? But I think a policy-based agenda, like people agenda or culture agenda, is absolutely not going to work anymore. And you you just kind of just reinforce that with, with yeah. Leaders. And you, you know, you bring up a good point as an HR, even while we're recruiting or maintaining the satisfaction of the employees, we don't have that one answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, even recruiting, we use different toolkits now. You know, before it might have been, well, do you know how to do this? It was always very skill set based in terms of looking at people's resume, what kind of, what kind of, you know, work you have done, what, what kind of case studies do you have? What kind of portfolio you have? And that was what we, we, how we recruited, but now we have to, we have to go even deep dive into, you know, what is, what is your, what is your point of view about work-life balance? Uh, it's like I said, it's not easy. Oh, it was so easy before, (laughs) but now it's just not. 
Mm-hmm. So what do you do as a leader to kind of keep up? I mean, I've got this sign behind me. That's kind of my mantra, which is I'm not the leader you need to be. I need to be a year from now, but I will grow to become that person. So what do you do to kind of keep up as a leader with what's happening with trends? Well, you know, and that's the double-edged sword is that there's no playbook, but there are a lot of information available. So even as we lack the, the, the so-called the Bible or the North Star playbook, we do have to stay, uh, uh, stay on top of all the information that is available to us and to be able to discern from those overload of information in terms of making sure that you are choosing the kind of application that is the best for yourself, and of course, most importantly, for your staff as well. Um, I read a lot, and sometimes I feel like I have to step back because it's just an overload um, in terms of you know people giving suggestions or telling you what is the right way of doing it, and then you're all you know you you create this almost like fear of making mistake that you have to uh, pursue perfection. And I have to remind remind myself constantly that I have to step back and remind myself that it's not pursuit for perfection. It's, it's really, it's, it's really what you think is right at that moment for yourself, for the company and for your staff, and then move on. If you make mistake, you mm-hmm. move on, you know, you pick yourself up and then and and start all over again. But um, to to really take advantage of the toolkit available to you in the form of information um, is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So what were you like as a leader when you first started this business 35 years ago? You know. That's actually a very good question. I think because 35 years ago, when when I started the company, it wasn't about leadership. It was about entrepreneurship, and it was about survival as an entrepreneurship. Survival as an entrepreneur. You don't really, you, you, you know, when you're starting a business as a startup and being an entrepreneur, you don't really slow down to say that what kind of leader are you. You're really constantly grasping for air. Uh, making sure that your your business survives. So I think that in hindsight, looking at how I led, I I do think that I led by taking full advantage of opportunities that were given to us. And that just really kind of, that's the kind of, of characteristic that carried over even from 30 some years ago, is that we we look at opportunities very quickly, discern if the opportunities are right for us, and when the opportunities present itself, that we pounce on it and, and, and really make sure that we take advantage of that opportunities, um, opportunities that are given to us. So in to, to summarize or to answer the question that you ask in terms of um, what kind of leader leader was I 35 years ago, I really took advantage of the opportunities that were given to us and did not try and, and try not to squander it. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe yourself now? 
I think I'm a little bit chiller and calmer in terms of, I, I said, pounce on the opportunities, right? So now I, I think that rather than pouncing, I step back and look at the big picture in terms of, I, you know, for lack of better word, I do think that I'm allowed, I've allowed myself to be a little bit more strategic than tactically pouncing on opportunities is that I'm allowing myself to step back a little bit and look at what how these opportunities will apply to the bigger cause or the bigger objective of the company uh, that we have built for the past 30 years. So perhaps a little bit more thoughtful leader than 35 years ago, um, it could be age too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so then what's next? Like what do you see coming for the for your business over the next couple of years when it comes to to your culture and your staff? Well, you know, for the culture of our company, uh I, I think there was one question that was asked, like, what do I see as the linchpin of the, the company's culture? And Really, the linchpin of Intertrans company culture is our identity as an Asian American advertising agency. It's it's very fitting that this interview is uh, interview podcast uh, is taking place uh, in May, which is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and it really allows us to step back and think about who we are. And really, the identity as an Asian American advertising agency really is the foundation of who we are. So we will continue to push for Asian American cause and helping uh, helping America, uh, corporate America in general, understand the importance of how and how and why you would want to talk to this segment, Asian American, Asian American market. And in doing that, we will continue to really elevate our own people um, in in terms of um, enhancing Asian American issues. That's perfect. All right. Well, I think that's a lovely spot for us to end the day. So I'm so grateful that I had a chance to have this conversation with you, Julia. Thank you so much. It was really very, very lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Well, that was great. Jared, any comments? As always, I think it was great. I think you guys did really well. So I think people are, will enjoy the conversation. Yeah. I hope it was. I hope it was okay for you, Kendra. Oh, it was great. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, great. yeah. No, it's just all, it's so fun just to hear different people's perspective and cultures. It's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so what will happen after this is we will, um, we're going to try to accelerate the schedule and have it actually be published here in May just because of it, uh, because of the month. And so, um, so I will keep you posted on that over the next couple of days. Um, when like when the schedule will actually, when we'll actually officially release it. Um, but then, um, we will be releasing it on all the podcast channels as well as then YouTube. And then over the next couple of months, we'll also just pull out a couple of little shorts out of this and put them up on YouTube to help advertise the, the, the conversation as well. And then 
some of our guests are putting this up on their culture or on their their company um, page for the hiring page too, because a lot, especially if you're doing a lot of hiring, which I know you had a couple open positions, um, it just helps future employees sort of see like, well, what is it like to work here? And so you guys can kind of figure out how you want to use it, but. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. It's great to hear your story. So um, I do think we're going to turn this into a bigger, broader community too. Um, I, you're, I think the 56th or seventh guest I've interviewed. Oh, wow. And I'm finding that there's, um, I think an opportunity for us to do business together. Mm-hmm. And so, because a, a lot of the other guests, um, there's a handful of them that are also in agencies and I could see you guys being able to refer business to each other. And then, um, a Wonderful. lot of them are just, you know, multinational companies too. So, um, anyway, I'm kind of toying with this idea. What, what do you think when I tell you that, would you be interested at all? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, no, there's nothing more efficient, effective, and productive than collaboration and, and, you know, being able to connect mm-hmm. with uh, different people. So yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I will probably, um, I'll be inviting you into that community here in the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to start <clears throat> with probably a LinkedIn, like private group where I invite just all the podcast guests. And then I, I have the bird's eye view where I see how everybody might be able to help each other. So I'll probably make some formal introductions too. And then we'll have a call and maybe do a little bit, you know, bigger introduction there with all the guests. Of course, not 50 people will show up, but um, we'll see. And then um, just kind of keep, see what we can make happen together. I don't know how it'll all go, but I just see a, a huge opportunity here. Yep. Always pivot, always maintaining that flexibility. Yeah, so, exactly. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. Oh, well, thank you, Julia. We'll be in touch really soon then with the details. Okay. Thank you. And thank you, Jared. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.